feel like that was a joke uh, that my old roommate had about getting strep throat, but from sucking dick. <laughs> that I feel bad for the dick that had strep yeah, on the it. The joke was that's it didn't bad. Make sense. It it didn't make sense. It was not a good joke. It Pretty sure strep is a form of like MRSA. So Lamborghini MRSA, <laughs> like a staph infection MRSA. No, I know what it is. Oh, I didn't know. I don't know what a Lamborghini MRSA is. No, there's a song called uh, Mercy, and it Lamborghini Mercy. Your chick, she's so thirsty. I'm in that two seat Lambo with your girl. She's trying to jerk me. Wow. You had me at hell no. And I'm Mel. And welcome to You Had Me at Hell No. This is our podcast that we as millennials started during quarantine. Wow. How original. Very brave. Uh, But we're going to explore romance movies. All kinds of romance. Spooky romance, comedy romance, dramatic romance, all of it. Sexy, erotic thrillers. True. Those (laughs) those count. We We will be doing them. Ay. Ay. Uh But we're going to explore, look, okay, look, we don't love this genre necessarily. No, we no, we have, hate it. It's a popular genre, and there's something to the idea that both we as individual people, but also we as a nation and society, love these movies that hate us so much. Yep, they hate women, they hate people of color, they hate LGBTQ plus people. I mean, it's gotten better recently with more representation, but... But it's still not great. Not by much. No. So we're going to delve into that. Yeah, and the kinds of movies that we like that make us qualified to speak about this. Well, Melanie, what do you like to watch just to relax? Exclusively horror. Uh Uh-huh, yes. And what about you? Ooh, give me an action movie where a couple of people are being friends and stuff is blowing up. Yeah, that sounds... If if they can rob a bank while also being surfers, that's ideal. Are you talking about Point Break? Yes, it's a perfect movie. Like, look, I recognize that um, ACAB, uh, (laughs) but also uh, watch that movie. It's a great movie. Catherine Bigelow directed it. Uh, Keanu Reeves... a perfect performance, Patrick Swayze, perfect performance. This is not the movie we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, not a romance, although you could argue that it is, but it's not. It's, look, some of the most romantic stuff to ever happen on film happens in that movie. Oh, God. It's so Okay, good. you good? You taking your moment? You're yeah. all, you okay over there? Yes. Okay. Uh, but yeah, the point of this is we want to know what is the appeal of these movies? Why do two people like us... Best friends who don't watch romance love certain romance movies. Yes. So that's what we're trying to figure out here. So thank you for joining us and uh, embarking on this journey. You're welcome for that. Pack a water bottle. That's right. Stay hydrated. It's hot. It's summer. Mm Mm-hmm. What are we talking about today, Melanie? Well, we're going to start our podcast with 
the granddaddy of all romance comedies. It's been called the greatest rom-com of all time, and it might be. I think it is. It's hailed as the greatest rom-com of all time, and it is When Harry Met Sally from 1989. Written by Nora Ephron, directed by Rob Reiner. Starring Meg Ryan and Billy Crystal. Yeah. I said his name weird because I think he's attractive. Gross. Um... (laughs) I don't want to be disrespectful to Mr. Crystal. Billy, are you listening? William. She doesn't mean it. I uh, Let me be clear, Mr. Crystal. See, I don't see Billy Crystal. Uh, my, my main reference for him is not this movie. I didn't see this till I was like in my 20s. You, do you watch this? When did you first see this? Oh, I watched it with my mom when I was in high school. Uh, yeah, no. I saw it, I think, in my 20s and then one time after that. Oh, still in my 20s. Don't want to brag. Fresh as a daisy. Very fertile. Plenty of eggs. (laughs) Scramble them. Yum, yum, yum. Uh, Over hard, baby. (laughs) Um, uh, My main reference, like my main image for Billy Crystal is City Slickers. Because when I was a child, Melanie has heard this story before, but listeners, um, I'm a child of divorce. And... uh, Oh, God. It's Look, sometimes it just doesn't work out between mom and dad. It's no one's fault. I was three years old, and uh, I go over to my dad's house. And for a while, he had three VHSs that we would watch. And one was Never Ending Story, one was Fox and the Hound, and the other was City Slickers. And so I see Billy Crystal as my dad's friend who is helping him through his divorce. <laughs> So to have sexual <laughs> inclinations toward that man would be not okay. And it's a big no thank you. That's fair. I get that. Also in City Slickers, he has a whole monologue about why he wouldn't have, like, why he wouldn't cheat on his wife. And the main reason cool. is not because I love my wife. I've never seen City Slickers. I don't know. It's, it's just like middle-aged men being like, Let's, what if we were cowboys? So it's like deliverance? That's my frame of reference here. Yeah, it's like deliverance. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, we're watching When Harry Met Sally. (laughs) Yes, we are. And it's the greatest rom-com of all time. So while I love almost exclusively spooky stuff and Allie loves almost exclusively explodey stuff, um, our engineer Tiffer doesn't necessarily like either. Tiffer, what do you like to watch? I watch a lot of The Office these days. Ooh, Ooh fun. What Classic. about movies? Any rom-coms in your, in your future, past, present? Uh, Eurovision was really good. <gasps> the the story is... of Fire Saga. I, I did also really enjoy that movie. I have not seen it yet. I've been too busy re-watching shows that I have already seen. Classic. Classic yes. move. Well, Tiff, you're, uh, as someone who's not as versed in film, if you had to make a guess... About what Her- when Harry met Sally is about. It's called when Harry met Sally. Yes. Yep. Okay. Um, Harry meets Sally. Final, Yay! Final answer. <laughs> ding 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 ding. He, did it! he got it. He got it. This has been Tiffer's pop culture osmosis. Thank you for joining. Um, and this is this. It's what the movie's about. Harry does, in fact, meet Sally. And that's where we start the. Well, we don't technically start the movie right there. We start throughout the film. There are these little vignettes. Uh, there are interviews with couples talking about how they met and what led them to 
fall in love and get married. Yes, and they're all older couples, and it's very sweet. And they're all, I believe, real couples that Rob Reiner found. That's very cute. Cute. It's cute and cool. It's cute. Very cute. Very cute. And interspersed with all these vignettes are sequences in the film where Harry and Sally meet up with each other at different points in their life. And the first one that we meet them at is when they've graduated college. They're driving from Chicago to New York. It's 1977. They're both wearing wigs. The, the, the wigs are strong. Oh, great. Here's the thing. For 1989, I believe, when this movie came out, pretty good wigs. But yeah. I will say if you're like, is that a wig? It's a wig. That's a wig. <laughs> it's always a wig. I love wigs. I love calling them out. I love looking at them. If I had more, I'd wear them all the time. I think they're great. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, I can confirm Allie can clock a wig. I can't. I love it. And I love it. I love. I'm Take okay. a moment. Embrace it. Love your wigs. I don't have a song. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, <laughs> so Harry and Sally meet. They start driving from Chicago to New York together. And, uh, they meet because uh, her, he is dating her friend. Yes. Uh, and they, the first time we see him, he is making out with this woman. Like and tongue down throat make out. There is so much kissing in this movie. It's too much kissing. Don't watch this movie with your parents, folks. Don't. There, and here's the thing. Your parents are going to want to watch this with you because they forgot. Yeah. You're, Don't you're, let this turn into Terminator. This is, Don't watch uh, this movie with your parents. This is not quite Terminator level, but it's close to that. Um, so for close me, it that? is. It's it is close, close to that. that. It is close to Terminator for me because I don't like watching any of that stuff. Like when people kiss in movies regularly now, I say ew and cover my eyes. I, I'm just kind of like, oh, yikes, that must have been a weird day. Um, <laughs> I, if I have to watch a sex scene with my parent, uh, my my mom is uh, dead. Uh, don't want to. It just I don't know Spoiler. how that is, but uh, we're like five minutes into the podcast. Just want to give you something about me. Divorced parents, and one of them is dead. No wonder she doesn't believe in love. But what if? Which is funny because I think you believe in love way more than I do. Oh my god, I really love love. I love friendship. I love love. This is not what this is about. I apologize. <laughs> You're good because she, Allie, loves love. I kind of. Hate love. But Melanie, real quick, uh, which one of us is in a very happily long-term monogamous committed relationship? Me. Yeah. <laughs> so put that in your pipe and schmoke it, oak doke it. Anyway. <laughs> so we're going to move on <laughs> to Mary and Sally. Anyway, so they're driving from Chicago to New York. Uh, and they're about 21, 22 21, 22, old? yeah. And while on this road trip, uh, like they are talking, uh, they don't really like each other. No. It's very clear that they don't, they're not really getting along. Yeah. Well, Sally is portrayed as this very uptight Mm -hmm. person. Anal retentive. Yeah. Very particular, a little OCD probably. And Harry, the first thing he does when he gets into into her car is he starts eating grapes with seeds and he spits the seeds Onto her car window. Who does that? What is wrong with you? Gross. So rude. Although I do believe it as like someone who has met a 21-year-old before. Yeah. Because you're just like. They're gross. This is also not, this isn't about any specific generation. When you're 21, you're gross. Yeah. Think about back to when you were 21. 
Yeah. Okay, have you cringed? Great, we're moving on. Yeah. So Think about how you were like, no, this is how I want my hair forever. Ooh, ooh. Ooh, the decisions we made. Oh, boy. But anyway, mm-hmm. decisions and bad choices aside, they continue this road trip, and they go to a diner finally. And when they get to the diner, they're arguing about the end of Casablanca. Mm-hmm. Because Sally doesn't understand why Ingrid Bergman doesn't stay. Wait, no, she feels the opposite. What? No. She feels the, no, she feels, because the whole thing is she's like, of course she would leave with that guy. Does she? Do yeah, I forget this movie? Because when they talk about it later, because when they talk about it later, spoiler, they meet up later. They um, meet again. They meet again. But when they they're talking, when they talk about that movie later, he's like, "Remember how you said that she should go with, like, it made sense that she would go with the other guy and not stay with You're Humphrey right, Bro- because Bogart." Because she doesn't remember. And she's like, "No, I would never say that." But she did because at 21, she was like, "No, go with the solid guy." Um, it's a good marriage. Love doesn't matter. Blah, Love doesn't blah, blah. matter. That guy is a stable, solid bet. And yeah. You're correct. But then we get to one of my favorite sequences, which is about Sheldon the Wonderschlong. This is Melanie's like favorite. Part. I love it. So they're in the diner, and when they're entering the diner, this is a classic dynamic between these two characters because Harry basically goads Sally into being so upset that she has an outburst that embarrasses her in front of everyone because they're talking about good sex because, and you're right, and I was mm-hmm. wrong, because he's like, why would you leave the man that you've had the greatest sex of your life with? Uh-huh. And she says, because I want to be sensible. And then he says, well, you've probably just never had good sex before. Uh-huh. And she goes, I have had plenty of good sex. But she says it really loud, and everyone <laughs> stops Turns what they're away. doing and uh, looks at her. Yeah, and this is also something throughout the movie that I want to touch on. Like, here's the thing. I will say, I love this movie. It's so well done. Uh it's a, it makes sense that it's the most like beloved rom-com of all time. However, it still falls into the trope of, and, and again, written by a woman, but um, a lot of it is, hey, woman, listen to this man do bits. Um, all of Billy Crystal's jokes, all of the main male character's jokes are observations about the world around him and also kind of about her, kind of teasing her. Mm-hmm. And Sally's jokes are jokes about herself, self-deprecating, or the joke is that she doesn't quite get why that would be weird or funny that she does that. Yes, she's very much the straight man in that comedic duo. Um, And while she's great at it, Meg Ryan is phenomenal in this movie. Yeah, everyone in this movie is grade-A choice acting. Every performance is great, and the characters are fleshed out and well-written. However, it is still annoying that it's like, here's this man, and we get to listen to him do bits. And as a woman, you get to listen to him do bits. Yes, but I also think there's a a cultural framework that the movie is set in mm-hmm. where that makes sense as a normal thing. Because Harry is supposed to be this really gregarious, clearly Jewish guy. What?! From New Jersey. What? And Sally is clearly very waspy. Mm -hmm. So it's a cultural dynamic that is pretty normal, especially in like 1980s New York. Billy Crystal is Jewish? Yeah, I'm sorry. We didn't tell you. Makes sense. (laughs) The signs were all there. Yeah. So that's something that I want to draw everyone's attention to also is like seeing guys in movies who maybe don't look as well put together and 
get by because of their charisma, uniqueness, nerve, and talent. And listen, I just love that acronym. And they get by on that and they get with these blonde women Mm-hmm. Hint, blonde ladies is a theme in rom-coms. Yes. And you look at these couples and they don't make any sense, but they they do because the movie makes them make sense, but they don't make sense. The idea is, here's this guy, and whether you... We're, a, we're supposed to believe that he's not super good looking. And, and while I'm not Which attractive, I will dispute to the grave. I don't find him attractive. I don't think I he's... I do! Like, <sighs> Sorry. I just had to get Do not that out. apologize for how you feel, but also yuck and no thank you. <laughs> but there is for Fine. typically not just this movie, but for those types of movies, the idea is here's this like this typically like Jewish funny man is not considered good looking, and he has a super like, super hot bombshell hot, blonde waspy ass wife. Yeah. And the bit is that she likes him because he's funny and or smarter than he, she is. And there Which are is, problems with that. Well, it is a problem because why can't a man like a woman who's smarter than he is? Yes. Who's funnier and snippier than he is. Yeah. And, you know, Sally, all the characters in this movie, they're fully fleshed out. Like you said, they also all have arcs. Which is nice to see. It's not flat. Mm-hmm. But this brings us back to Sheldon the Wondershlong. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> I love this bit. This is Melanie's, like, favorite bit. Yes, because Harry's saying, okay, well, Sally, you've clearly never had the best sex of your life. I've had plenty of good sex. Correct. And he says, with whom did you have this incredible sex? And she goes, Shell Gordon. And he's like, Sheldon, Shell Gordon, you did not have good sex with Shell Gordon. <sighs> She pushes back and says, why? And Harry's thesis is because his name isn't sexy. (laughs) Like, ride me big, Sheldon. You're an animal, Sheldon. Here's... But Harry's not a sexy name either. Here's the thing. One, how often are you saying the other person's name in the throes of passion? I mean, it depends. I mean, again, maybe this is more about me, but are you forgetting who they are? Sometimes. Who knows? Also, isn't it it more romantic if you can't even, don't even know words? Am I right? Sure. I'm good at sex. Uh, (laughs) Great at intercourse. Um, Clearly. Anyway, Ladies also, and gentlemen, she is open for business. Super open. Allie is single. Very single. Ready, Ready to, to pringle. That's right. Sour once, cream and onion, baby. Once you pop the fun, don't stop. I'm By pop, I mean my hymen is intact. Correct. So anyway. Anyway, but what I was going to say is that Harry is, I mean, Harry Styles, king of our hearts. Not the king of my heart. We're going to talk about that later. Guess what we're listening to on the way home, bitch. No. (laughs) Watermelon sugar. Hi. Um, (laughs) Anyway, also in this, uh, on this trip and this part of the trip, when they initially meet each other, um, as they're leaving this diner, uh, that's, this is when Harry posits his big theory. Because as they're leaving, he's just kind of staring at her. I will say this is the part of the movie where I was like, is Billy Crystal kind of attractive? Yeah, and it's when he doesn't have a beard, which I don't get, but please continue. Well, it's the way he was looking at her. And it was like, oh, Crystal's got some, got some moves. Because he is eyeing her. Yeah, he makes a woman meow, allegedly. Of course that, he's got I moves. I cannot unhear that. He that, took her to another place that wasn't human. We're going to revisit that because it really upsets me. But <laughs> um, while he is 
eyeing her, he lets her know that she's attractive. And she's like, why would you, what? You're dating my friend. And, and he plays it off as like aloof, smart guy, like empirically, you're very attractive. I'm just making a statement, <laughs> which of course is a load of crap it's, it's that bull. Sally calls out correctly. Mm-hmm. And she also says, you can't take it back because it's already out there. So just let it lie. Yes. And it is during, after this exchange that he gives out his theory and which is kind of the thesis of the movie, which is that men and women cannot be friends because there will always be an underlying attraction there. Yes. And that bothers me a lot. Yes. And I think it bothers you too. Yes. Because you can be friends with someone who is of the gender that you're attracted to and not be attracted to that person. Yeah. Because a big part of being attracted to someone is their personality. Yeah. Also, you can be like a little attracted to someone that doesn't necessarily mean you're like, I gotta have sex with them or I gotta date them. You can recognize someone is attractive and not really feel anything besides that. It's, it's a, it's a silly rule, but it's basically the premise of the movie Mm -hmm. because I mean, spoilers for the end. Wait, this podcast says spoilers. spoilers. It's a movie podcast. What? But if you don't want spoilers, I guess don't listen. Rosebud is a sled. You mean it's not a butthole? And I'm out. And for that reason, I'm out. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, podcasting is an audio medium. Allie rolled out of her chair. She is on the ground (laughs) laughing. Her butt. I don't know. (laughs) Her ass is in the air. You going to show me your rosebud? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. What? It's an upsetting theory, also because it's a very closed idea of friendship. Yes. Because you could have friends that you have different levels of intimacy with. Yes. Uh, Best friend is a tier, not a title. Well said. So it really is, it's just sad. It's kind of closing yourself up to lots of different friendships. So anyway, she's upset by that theory. They get to New York. They get to New York and they don't like each other. And they're like, well, bye forever then. Well, they kind of do and they kind of don't because they have this acerbic repartee throughout the whole opening of the movie Mm -hmm. where you can't tell, like, do they do they not like each other or is this just banter and they're going to do it? (laughs) Hint, it's the latter. But they don't do it yet. And they get to Washington Square Park, which is my old stomping grounds, because mm -hmm, I went to NYU. I'm educated. Well, then why did why'd you go to NYU? Oh, rip, rip to me. Friggin' roast that school. Roasted and toasted. But anyway, they get to Washington Square Park, and he leaves and says goodbye. And then Sally says, "I think," which is one of the most poignant lines in the film that I really like. Is well, that's a shame because you were the only person I knew in New York. Oh, you really like this line. It didn't hold any real weight for me. But I also have not lived in New York. I have uh, visited before. I uh, very quickly realized, oh, I don't think I could live here. I don't think I could thrrive in Listen, this beautiful it's, city. It's gorgeous city. New York. Full of life, full of culture. It's very go, go, go. Yes. You have to keep walking or you die. Kind yep. of like a shark. You just have to keep walking You have forever. to not give a fuck. And the, the thing is, I give a lot of fucks. <laughs> anyway, they part ways. Five years pass. They're now 26, 27, and they meet again in an airport. 
Yeah, and side note, we see another close-up of two Man. people making out. What the Just kissing. what I didn't want to see. Kissing is gross. If you're listening to this podcast and you're into kissing, get out! Yeah. We play by pretty woman rules. We'll fuck, but we will not kiss on the lips. Yes, Allie speaks for both of us sexually in all things. Yeah. <laughs> I am, I'm joking. I'm Miss um, Intimacies. Very much what is, since the quarantine. What um, is Eintimacy? Is it a very? It's an old ship from the Civil War. That's what it is. <laughs> yes, yes. I miss old ships from the Civil War. Yeah, why not? <laughs> so anyway, they meet, they meet at an airport. They meet in an airport where Harry sees Sally and her boyfriend Joe making out hard and he gets too close to them recognizes the boyfriend joe says oh joe it's you and sally you can tell is instantly uncomfortable because she recognizes him yeah and and harry doesn't recognize her he leaves she says thank god he didn't recognize me (laughs) and then they both board the flight they're on the same plane and at this point they are again they're 26 27 years old they're an attorney and a journalist but then we, they start talking. He finally recognizes her. And the poor schlub sitting in between them says, oh, would you two like to sit next to each other? Mm-hmm. Sally says no. Harry says yes. Yeah, and, so and the guy gets up. Seats. The guy gets up and, and switches seats. We find out she's with Joe. He is uh, going to get married. Again, talking, uh, talking, talking, talking. He's really eager. And uh, as they land, they're on the moving walkway. And he's like, hey, do you want to get dinner? And she's like, what? I thought you said men and women couldn't be friends. And he's like, what? I never said that. Oh, wait, you know what? I did say that. But then he amends his rule and says men and women can be friends if they're in relationships with other people. And then he amends the amendment Uh and says, no, just kidding. They can't because then their partners will always wonder why they have to be friends with the other person, which is very strangely possessive. So possessive. Like you can have friends outside your relationship of a different gender than you. Yeah. Also, do you not want your partner to have any friends? I mean, that's that's... That's bad. That's yeah. bad news bears. That's well, what that is. Yeah. And again, you, friendships, any relationship in your life, uh, they all can hold different roles for you. There are things you can feel more comfortable talking about with your spouse that maybe you can't talk about with your friend and vice versa. And, yep. and you've got some friends that are your ride or die friends, some friends that are your associates from work that you like have banter with, but never hang out with. Yeah. It is what it is. Yes. Everyone has different people that rotate through their lives. So the the idea that you can't be friends with someone when you're in a relationship is weird. And I think the only thing that validates that is if you're attracted to the person that you're friends with in a way that threatens your relationship. Yeah, but that's a different thing. Also, yes. it's, it's kind of shady. You're like, okay, again, I am single. So ugh, don't want to brag, but I'm a single lady in the city just trying to make it work. She's and trying to have it all, folks. Trying to have it all. Can I? No. Yes. Uh, <laughs> most of my friends are either a couple or a part of a couple. You have a deep, loving, wonderful relationship. Gross. Uh, I know. Uh, I'm I was sorry. about to list all my friends. I love you, babe. I'm sorry. Babe. Babe. babe I love wait. you. Babe. <laughs> babe, wait. No. Babe, I love you. Babe, wait. No, babe. Babe. Anyway, what I was trying to say is this theory also posits that like single people are always looking 
to be romantically involved. Yes, and Carrie Fisher is a great example of that. Rest in peace, Carrie Fisher. Oh, yeah, Carrie Fisher's in this movie. Uh, we meet her later. Uh, but that's not accurate. I, I would, I, you know what? This is, we're going to get real. How often, and Tiff, you can get in on this if you want to. You don't have to. Tiffer, actually, you know what? Keep your mouth shut. Because uh, <laughs> you're also in a relationship. Shut your fucking mouth. Allie, you're the fifth wheel in this podcast. Yeah, I know. I'm the fifth <laughs> wheel in my whole goddamn life. But here's the thing. I'm never like, if only. Why would my friends set me up with someone? Why am I not dating one of my friends? Like, that's never... I don't know any other single people who are like, oh, if only my friend who is in a happy relationship with this other person I'm friends with, if only that weren't a thing. That's, that, that doesn't happen. That's not super common. That's I mean, not as common as these as like a lot of these movies and this theory would like you to believe. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think the idea that single people can't lead fulfilling <laughs> lives without partners is kind of stupid. I like I do think it's important to like have some kind of community. Like friendship and love and relationships are important. We're getting deep. We're getting deep on this podcast. Deep. But I do think like <laughs> love is an important factor in any person's life. But yeah, the idea that it most... specifically needs to be romantic is uh kind of ridiculous and it also devalues friendship yeah friendship i have some friendships that are incredibly strong that i've had for years and years and years yeah i've been friends with a lot of people longer than i've been dating my person yeah and even friends with my person before we started dating so you know the idea that you can't be friends with people is bupkis which is yiddish for nothing so this is your yiddish lesson for the day thank you how do you bupkis Bupkis. How do you say what's thank uh, what's thank you in Yiddish? Uh, I guess it's just Hebrew. It would be toda. Toda. <laughs> and thank you very much is todaraba. Todaraba. Shana tova. Happy New Year. That's, That's what that means. Thank you. Great job. I'm very cold. She's learning. She's I'm learning slowly but surely. Cultured. Everyone, just because you and your friend are not the same uh, religious background doesn't mean you can't be friends. Yeah, so we basically just debunked <laughs> the thesis of this movie. But anyway, they, do, they part ways never to be seen again. Just kidding, because we see them again five <laughs> years later. We're not even halfway through the movie. I know. Oh, but we sorry, meet, anyway, we see them five years later. And yes, and they, we find out that Sally and Joe broke up and that she is really fine with it, which she says a bunch of times. She's at lunch with her gals. We're Looks the, like they're somewhere around Central Park. This is where we're introduced to Carrie Fisher. Incredible. Yes. And um, the other friend whose name we never learned. We never learned her name. They gave her all the lines they didn't want to give to Carrie Fisher. Yep, uh, and, and Carrie Fisher, she's so good, but her Carrie Fisher's character is like... The epitome of desperate single lady in New York who doesn't need to be desperate because she's beautiful and smart and successful. Yes. And so there's a funny moment in this luncheon where Sally's like, I'm really fine with it. We wanted different things. And I'm ready. And so Carrie Fisher pulls out this giant giant Rolodex. For all you young folks out there, a Rolodex uh, is a... What even is a Rolex? It's well, like a, a kit of cards where you write people's contact info because in the 80s, they didn't really have cell phones. No. 
and you had to use a, a rotary phone Ugh. or like a cord phone Yuck. to call people. I miss those. Uh, I do miss the cord phone because you could pretend you were like on Saved by the Bell or not even Saved by the Bell. Like you were just like a woman, a busy wife talking to her friend on the phone. And you could twirl the cord in your fingers and just be like, well, I don't know. Ever since Jonathan got the job at the factory, it feels like I'm all alone all the time. We did. Pro- we probably did different stuff as kids. I um, think we did. <laughs> I think we did. But uh, <laughs> she pulls out a Rolodex and starts listing men that Sally could probably hook up with. And Sally immediately goes, "I'm not ready. Yeah. <laughs> it's too much." Oh, it's, no, thank you. And then we check in with uh, Billy Crystal, who was with his friend, played by Bruno Kirby, at a baseball game. Yes. And um, this uh, is a great story. The a- punchline of this joke is so good. Would you want to take it, babe? Yeah. Okay. So. We meet up with Billy Crystal, who embodies my preferred aesthetic, which is scruffy beard sweater. I will say Melanie's sexual response to him in this scene and this kind of aesthetic (laughs) while sitting next to her was not overwhelming, but it's always fun to learn something new about a friend. Look at who I'm dating. I didn't say I was surprised. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, we find out that Harry is getting divorced from this woman he was so in love with and that she lied to him about how she was leaving him. So the story goes that Helen, his wife, says, Harry, I'm not sure that I love you. I don't think I ever loved you. (laughs) And he goes, when did this happen? She goes, oh, it's been about a week. And he says, oh, you've known for a week that you haven't loved me and you didn't tell me. And she goes, I didn't want to ruin your birthday, <laughs> which is really sad, but oh, also very relatable. God, that joke is so good. It is, but that's not the punchline. So oh. the punchline is coming because in the story, she lied about subletting a friend's apartment and uh-huh. then turns out she's moving in with someone else, another attorney named Ira, who returns later. Oh, yeah. And Harry opens the door to find movers and there's just a big dude with a shirt that says, don't fuck with Mr. Zero, which is a shirt that I want. You would wear that. I would wear that shirt. Mm-hmm. I'd get fired if I wore that shirt, but I would wear it in my free time. I was going to say, you'd wear it to the store. Maybe I'd get fired from being a customer at the store. What? What? It's, I would say talk me through that, but we don't have time. It says fuck on it. Oh, no. Uh, you're right. Anyway, so then the joke is is that Mr. Zero knew that he was di- getting a divorce before he knew he was getting a divorce. Boom. And the whole time he's telling this sad, oh, yeah. sad story, he and Bruno Kirby are doing the wave. That, I will say that's a great bit because they're, they're, they're at a baseball game. What keeps happening is the wave is going through the crowd, and every time the wave happens, they still join in. Um, Even though he's clearly very sad. Oh. And that's a nice thing that Nora Ephron does in her scripts is mm-hmm. that – even though she has a clear style, everything feels very grounded and very real in a yes. lot of ways. Yes. I, she's very good. And again, this movie is this movie's great. I don't want to trash this movie. Um, and I worry I maybe come off as that. Because trash I'm like, it. Trash it. No, because it, I just get annoyed when it's like, well, women are kind of funny when they're, you know, talking about how dumb it is that they are women. Um, well, I, I don't. I don't like any. I, I get annoyed when the idea is that like here's a funny man and your gift is that you get to listen to the funny man. But um, this movie is good at doing um, a lot of things that are commonly tropes in rom coms, 
that aren't don't always done to the same level of success. Yes, and um, I think that success uh-huh. is because Sally's also a strong character. Yes. She may not be funny, but she's constantly standing up And, and she's still, and she, here's the thing, even when she's not like, the idea is that she's not like as funny, she's still clever. She still has funny jokes. Again, yeah, the she's is not funny ha-ha in this funny. movie. Right. Uh, it's not the same thing as like Billy Crystal being like, hey, Sheldon the Wonder Show. Listen to my observation about this. Uh, can you tell it was a stand up? Uh, <laughs> William J. Crystal. Is his middle initial J? No, there's no way it is. Okay, because there's also another William Crystal who's like what? a conservative pundit. What? Yeah, so there's two. There there's, are two Billy Crystals. There are Crystals two in William Crystals in the world. That is, my heart just stopped. Oh, bummer. <laughs> is that how you'd react if I died? No! <laughs> if I died, you would say, oh, bummer. Yeah. <laughs> You're like my best friend. <laughs> no! Oh, it's, we're, uh, look, we have been told that it is William Edward Crystal. Also, don't know if I'd, speaking are, of. Are you okay? Do you I'm need fine. a moment? <laughs> I'm I would fine. be very sad if you died. Thank you. I'd be <laughs> sad if you died too. Oh, thanks. I'm not going to die. I'm going to be really forever. sad when I murder you. Okay. No, I well, that's never the way ma- I wanted no, no, to go no, out. No, no, that's no, no, no. fine. No, I can't even make that joke because I'm so worried. I don't look. You're now legally implicated. <laughs> Listeners, if I no, die. No, <laughs> I would never murder. Murder's not my vibe. Yeah, that's true. I'm not. A, also, I would hate to lose. Why would I hurt my friend? Allie, I'm joking. You know how I am. Listen to me. The idea that I may have hurt your feelings. You think I can murder you? <laughs> anyway, what I was just saying about this movie is that um, Nora Ephron's very good at things that are often kind of copied or common tropes in rom-coms. For example, like long monologues that are about uh, little details about how you knew it was the end of the relationship or uh, small uh, examples of what it feels like to fall in love. And this movie does those really well. Yes. Um, You're not bored listening to the monologues about how someone knew it was over. Whereas there are other movies where someone starts leaning into a monologue about what it means to be in love, and you're just like, Yeah, no. like, please get me a bucket so I can puke. Get me out of here. Uh, this movie isn't a get me out of here. Yeah, uh, this is not a puke bucket movie. Anyway, they're, they've ended their relationships. Then, guess what? They meet in a bookstore. They meet again. and uh, But they, this time, they're both, you know, they've both grown. Mm-hmm. I they're, guess they're kind of like... A little ahead of us in terms of age. Yeah, because this is five. It's not been 10 years since the last time they met. So now they're like 30. They're in their early 30s. Early 30s. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're gaining quick. We're getting there. But they meet and they have lunch together and they just catch up. Yeah. And it's actually really nice because Sally gives a nice monologue that shows actually a lot of character and growth where she is talking about her the end of her relationship where she says she was babysitting her friend's kid yeah. and there was a moment where she knew she wanted a family and knew that Joe didn't want that with her. Yeah. And so they they become friends. There's just, you know, a montage of Harry and Sally hanging out, yeah. talking about stuff, revealing really personal details. They mm-hmm. become best friends. Yeah. And it is in this time where uh, kind of what we were talking about, how friendship, uh, there's a lot of nuance to friendship and how there are friends 
you're going to have different levels of intimacy with different friends. And she even mentions to Bruno Kirby, I can talk about things with her that I can't really talk about with you. I can talk about anything with Sally. For example, I went to bed with this woman. This is your favorite part. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. I took her to another place. I made a woman meow. And Bruno Kirby goes, you made a woman meow? And I'm so upset by this. <laughs> the I, fact that you're so upset I hate makes it. me laugh. I hate it. You know how we know, again, it goes back to that thing of like, we're, we're to believe that um, Harry is incredibly charismatic and very good in bed. You know how we know that? Because he tells us. Yes. And he also, to Sally, reveals all of his hookup secrets. Yes. He's like, all I have to leave. Um, I make up this excuse to leave. Yes. I do this move. I do this. This is how I go to bed with them. This mm-hmm. is how I entice them into my sexual lair. He doesn't have a lair. He's not a, he's not a serial killer. No, it's actually a very lovely apartment that is huge. Yeah, I uh, believe it, though. I believe it. We, we believe, yeah, I guess we believe I believe he, he lives in that apartment. This is late 80s. He's a consultant. Where do we think that apartment is? Couldn't tell you. Either, I mean, my best guess would be Upper West Side or Meatpacking District. I, I don't know. I gotta tell you that I would love if he lived in the Meatpacking District. And regularly he was yelled at by drag queens. Because I love when drag queens yell at people. Yeah. We, I think we all do secretly. I love Deep it. down. If a drag queen yelled at me and slapped me in the face, I'd be like, thank you, I deserve that. Wow. We've learned a lot about you today. I know. <laughs> Say but something yes. about you. Um, I watched the entire Sex and the City series when I had the flu, um, and I don't remember all of it, so it feels like a weird fever dream because it partially was. Because <laughs> you That's all. <laughs> oh, what's the connection with Sex and the City, you might ask? Oh. Drag queens in the meatpacking district. Oh, Again, I haven't really watched Sex in the City. Yeah, you're not missing anything. I'm I'm okay with it. Um, also, anytime I've tried to check in, I'm like, I wouldn't have sex with that guy. Why are they doing this? Who knows? Anyway, uh, so Harry reveals all of this to Sally. And, like, kind of a sad thing, because part of it, he, he's very big on, like, how good he is at sex. And it makes me... My thing is, are you having a good time, Harry? And the answer is no. No, he he's isn't. not because he's just he's, revenge fucking. On yeah, this he's so hurt by his divorce that all he does is date women that he doesn't care about, have sex with them, and then ignore them for the rest of his life. Yeah, and that's something that Sally points out to him on multiple occasions. Is bad. Mm. She in in the diner scene, the famous diner scene uh. before. Before the orgasm fake out, she tells him that he is an affront to all women <laughs> and that she is a woman and she is offended <laughs> because of the way he treats women. Yeah. He's awful. But speaking of the famous orgasm scene. Now, if you have an idea of when Harry met Sally, you probably know this scene. This is probably one of the most famous scenes in any movie ever. And the idea is uh, uh, Harry is like, well... I'm really good at sex. And she's like, well, how do you know? And he's like, but he basically is like, they have an orgasm. And she's like, oh, okay. Sure, bro. My delicate sensibility. Sure, bro. For sure. Yeah. Any, any vagina haver at this point is rolling their eyes because we've heard that song before. And she's like, well, how do you know 
they're not faking it. And, he's and like, he goes, <laughs> he goes, because I know. Yeah. And uh, this is when she spectacularly fakes an orgasm. Oh, it's incredible. It's so good. It's, it's, it builds well. It sounds real. It yes. sounds believable. It's definitely real. And then she happily goes back to eating her pastrami sandwich. And there's a woman next to her who is getting her order taken. And she goes, I'll, I'll have what she's, she's having. having. And you know who that lady was? Rob Reiner's mom. Gross. Yeah. And also, he. <laughs> mom, I would never do that. Mom, mom, <laughs> I would never do that to you. Mom, uh. <laughs> <laughs> mom. I, for the for listeners, I know this is an audio medium. My arms are outstretched because I'm calling out to the greater spiritual world because my mother has passed. Uh, <laughs> Mom, I wouldn't do that in front of you, but I feel like you know that. Because not only did Rob Reiner's mom witness Meg Ryan doing that, prior to them filming it, uh, well, when they were starting to initially film it, Meg was really anxious and uh, she was having trouble. And so Rob Renner was like, no, 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 Meg, this is how I want you to do it. And he did the whole thing. I just very can't, elaborately. I can't imagine that noise coming from Rob Reiner. But he's a big man. I know. That's big why guy. I can't imagine it. I, I could. They, you know why? Because you know who loves to make a big show out of it? Men. I this guess. Me calling out men. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I we feel all like know. Vinegar strokes can be dramatic, but... <laughs> It's not that dramatic. I meant show of life, but... Oh. Um, <laughs> I thought you were talking about sex. No, not sex. Anyway, he did a big, like, show of it. He demonstrated it. Everyone kind of applauds. And then he's like, okay, we're going to film in a sec. Goes to a corner. He's having a private freakout. A little private freakout. I was like, oh, God, I shouldn't have done that. Billy comes over. He's like, no, 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 Meg's good. That was great. And he goes, no, Billy, I just had an orgasm in front of my mother. Exactly my thoughts. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, it's great. They uh, and they continue with their friendship too. Oh, Um, uh, and then uh, their friendship builds so much. They're like, oh, we should set each other up. Yeah, with our best friends. With our best friends. So he uh, sets up Meg Ryan with Bruno Kirby, and and Meg Ryan sets up Carrie Fisher with Harry. And this is one of my favorite scenes and it's such a good, we've all been on a date, if not a group date that was tense, we've all been on a date where you're like, oh, oh no, 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 no. Like someone's like, I think you guys would really get along. And um, then you go on a date with them and you're like, I would rather stab my own eyes out. Like if I have to listen to this man talk about how he's into philosophy for any longer. <sighs> God, I'm getting triggered. Ugh. Just thinking about all the yeah. bad dates that I've been on. Ugh. So anyway, they're, <laughs> they're on a group date. Harry and Carrie Fisher are not hitting it off. No. Sally and Bruno Kirby, not hitting it off. You know who does hit it off? Bruno Carrie Kirby. Fisher and Bruno Kirby. Yes, Carrie Fisher and Bruno So Kirby. much so that after the date, they leave together in a cab, and then the next time we see them, they're moving in together because they're engaged. Yeah, they're already deeply in love, and it's very sweet. It is very sweet. Uh-huh. Um. But on that date, there's a very sweet moment where um, Sally and Harry realize that, like, their friends are into each other and that it's not working out. And it's so well layered because part of it is, oh, bummer, because I really wanted you to find someone. 
But the other part of it is, oh, shit, we're in love with each other. And this was our chance to not have to admit that we are in love with each other. Yes. And it's it's just again, it's a nice moment. This movie is so good. Um, yes. So, and so the next time we see them, Harry and Sally are getting a gift for Bruno Kirby and Carrie Fisher. Mm-hmm. They run into Harry's ex-wife, and when they're at their friend's apartment, he has a mega meltdown. He has a full freakout. Yeah. Full, like, screaming freakout, storms out of the apartment. It's a very pretty brownstone, probably on the Upper East Side. God. Don't know how they can afford to live there. Don't know. We don't know her job. We don't know Carrie Fisher's job. We know Bruno Kirby is a writer for The New Yorker. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much The New Yorker paid in 1987 or 1989, so who knows? Yeah. Either way, it's a very <laughs> nice apartment. These Harry are the things a, that I'm concerned about. Harry has a freak out, and uh, Meg Ryan takes him out and is like, hey, you can't do this. You can't talk to her friends like this. And it's yeah. one of the first times in the movie, like, she has little bits throughout the movie where she kind of tells him, but this is the first time where she's able to sort of tell him off. Because the whole movie is him analyzing her and sort of teasing her. Again, all of his jokes are observational. And it's like, you're so anal retentive. You don't do this. Do you, uh, you order like a crazy person. And uh, blah, 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 blah. it's better in the movie. And then, uh, and then he has this moment where he loses control of his feelings. And her whole spiel, another Yiddish word. Mm-hmm. Her whole I, sh- I knew that one. Great. Her whole spiel is, Harry, you can't say every single thing that you think the second that you think it. You need a filter because the way that you're behaving is inappropriate. Yes. And then he turns it on her and attacks her for not sleeping with anyone since her breakup with Joe, Mm -hmm. to which she responds, I think very aptly, hey, I don't have to sleep with anyone to make myself feel better. I'm going to sleep with someone when it feels right for me. I'm not going to do what you do because you sleep with everyone and it doesn't make you feel better. Yeah. And also in that scene, he's like, I don't want to hear your lecture series. And it's like, bitch, you haven't stopped talking this whole movie. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. And then they make up, though, because he realizes that she's right. Yeah. And they, like, hug. And And they kiss. On the lips. Yeah, they also... They, they it's also, like a little... A recurring theme also in this movie is like they'll go to New Year's parties together and their thing is if we don't have someone to kiss... We'll kiss we'll each kiss other. Because we're just friends. Because so just friends kiss each other on the mouth. I have never kissed one of my friends on the... Wait, have I? No. No You've one never I know. kissed me on the mouth. No. <laughs> For those of you who don't know what just happened, <laughs> Allie and Tiffer just looked at each other and they were like, did we? No, no, we didn't. Okay. <laughs> Whew. Anyway. Yes. But anyway, they they kiss on the mouth, uh, um, which is a little weird because friends who don't have attraction to each other probably shouldn't kiss on their mouth. And then we come to basically the climax of the film, which is Sally calls Harry. She's distraught beside herself. And this is the first time she just had a breakdown over her relationship. Because she finds out that Joe is uh, engaged engaged to the first person he got together with after they broke up. Yes. And she is distraught. And it's a very interesting turn of events because he is now the calm one and she is the one freaking out. Yes. And she calls him, he goes over to her apartment, comforts her, and they finally... Have sex with each other. Wow! Because they kiss on the mouth and then uh-oh. and do everything together. So they, why not just do that too? They kiss a little more too? on the mouth. Well, because they as he's comforting mouths. her, they kiss, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, wait, what did you just say? Nothing. 
Don't worry about it. What did you say? I said nothing. I genuinely didn't hear what you said. Oh, I said on their downstairs mouths. Oh, God. I shouldn't have asked. <laughs> oh. What? Oh. You asked? You know me. <laughs> anyway, they do sex with each other. <laughs> and they wake up the next morning. Harry is like, oh, shit. On his shit. way out. And also, because at this point, he's already told her all of his, like, casual sex secrets. Yes. And he can't really do those with her. And he's kind of shitty to her. He, he is. But she is, too, because they're yeah. both so uncomfortable because they neither of them wants to acknowledge the emotion behind what happened. Yes. And, and uh, it snowballs out of control. And I will say this follows, like, probably my favorite scene. It's probably the best, most well-constructed scene in the whole movie. Yeah. Which is they both... Meg Ryan calls Carrie Fisher, uh, Billy Crystal calls Bruno Kirby, and Carrie Fisher and Bruno Kirby are in bed together, and they're each talking on separate phones to separate people. The screen is cut into, like, three sections. It's so well choreographed. They're all talking about the same thing, but not necessarily with each other. And it's the rhythm is so good. It's so funny. Again, watch this movie. Yeah, it's so good. It's good. I recommend this movie, but... Part of also what happens is they have dinner and they both say it was a mistake. We shouldn't have slept together. Yeah. And that's where things really start to get tense because yeah. Sally clearly is acknowledging her feelings earlier than Harry because yeah. she's really upset that he's so cavalier about it. Yeah. And that comes to a head at Bruno Kirby and Carrie Fisher's wedding mm-hmm. they where they have huge a huge fight. blowout fight. They don't talk for a while. Mm-hmm. And then the next few scenes are Harry trying to get Sally he to talk to him. He calls her every day. But also, I wouldn't, if if he, if I were Sally, I wouldn't talk to him either. Yeah. Because there's like this big intimate moment that probably is really scary because of all the feelings you won't acknowledge or haven't acknowledged yet. I thought you were going to say because it's sex and sex is terrifying. No. Uh, anyway, but you're right. They're acknowledging this scary thing. So you would want to take time to figure yourself out. Anyway, time and it passes. Just, it's t- it passes and the fight isn't resolved. And it's New Year's. Yep, New Year's. <sighs> oh, oh, boy. And so Harry Wait, is... Wait, are trying to sing Odd Lang Zine? No. Oh. No. I just didn't know what I was going to say, so I just kept vocalizing. Beautiful. Thank you. You guys said something about whether we're working in radio or podcast or any kind of audio medium, don't leave dead air. If you don't know what you're going to say, just keep talking. Make noises. Continue. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding. (laughs) So this, this is, I think, my biggest problem with the whole movie. Oh, this. Oh, God. Listen. Uh, Listen. Uh, people, Melanie used to live in New York. And which means I'm an asshole, which <laughs> I accept. Everyone knows. But he's walking around Washington Square Park. <laughs> New Year's Eve, wearing just a jacket and eating ice cream? There's no snow. I mean... That's not abnormal, but also it's cold, so why would you be wearing just a dinky jacket eating ice cream outside? (laughs) It doesn't make sense. I reject this. I rebuke it. (laughs) I hate it. (laughs) And also, the Uh, other part of the movie that really grinds my gears. This is probably Melanie's biggest problem with this film. Any movie that's set in New York. Oh, God. It's who I am now. I'm sorry. Here we go. 
Um, he's walking around, and first he starts, he's running east mm-hmm. to the East Village. Yes. But then he ends up somewhere that is not the East Village, and I know that because the East Village in the 1980s was where all the punks used to hang out, and oh. I can confirm because my dad's a New Yorker and hung out in that area. Uh-huh. So he ends up in this place. I don't. Is he going east? What is it is now? he going west? What is it now? Now, um, St. Mark's Place uh, is one original thrift store called Search and Destroy, uh-huh. which is pretty dope, uh-huh. and a bunch of fucking pink berries. Oh, I'll be the first to say it. New York has changed. Yep. Sure has. Anyway, he's he was heading east, but then he's not in the East Village. He's heading something. east, but then he's not east. Ugh. Is he west? I don't know. No. Someone send... An ambulance, because I need to know, and I'm stroking out. Um, She's fine. I'm not having a stroke. (laughs) Sorry, that was dramatic. But anyway, it's just so frustrating, because this movie is clearly very interested in location in New York. It's almost like New York is another character. (sighs) You're right, though. No. (laughs) No, you're not. In some movies, yes, but not in this movie. No. Um, but uh, it's very but location really, really is a bothers factor. Me. It okay. bothers me so much. And then he ends up running to the New Year's party where Sally has a date, some schlub nobody cares about. And she's like, oh, I don't feel well. I'm going to go home. And her friends are saying, well, you're going to go home before midnight like it's the worst thing she could possibly do. She probably has a chance to get a cab. Yeah. Well, no, no, she doesn't. Oh. You can't get a cab in New York on New Year's Eve. <sighs> Am I you right? You cannot. So... She goes, oh, well, the thought of not kissing someone at midnight. And then Bruno Kirby goes, I'll I'll kiss you, which is gross. I don't want to kiss my friend's husband. Yeah. Also, I've never kissed someone at midnight. Have you? Yeah. It's fine. That's I'm, This past year, I was so tired, I fell asleep at 1030, and then he woke me up at midnight. I don't remember kissing, and I went back to sleep. Nobody knows. (laughs) So (laughs) Sally's ready to leave. Harry bursts in and he goes, don't leave because I'm in love with you. Yeah. And he gives this whole speech of like, I love, and he lists all these quirks about her. And it's kind of a read, honestly. He's listing all these things that are are annoying. And the thesis, it's still kind of annoying because it's, the thesis, I love you even though you're fucked up. Other people would have problems with this, but not I, because I like them. See, I don't know. I kind of have a different reading of this. I think I think part of the way it's supposed to be read is the quirks are the things that I love about you. Yeah. Not like I love you despite your fucked upness. Yeah. It's you're fucked up and I love you. Yeah. And uh, she says probably my favorite, which is, see, you say things like that, and it makes me really hard to hate you, Harry. And I really hate you, Harry. And then they kiss yes. with tongues. Yeah, they kiss in this movie. There's so much kissing in this movie. Yeah, it's gross. They make out. It's a lot. They go to town on each other's mouths. Seems like a private moment, but maybe that's just also, me. it's New Year's. It's New York, baby. Grid system. Yeah, it's easy to get around. The Yankees. You... We're able to find your way around New York because I taught you how to use the grid system. I did get lost in New York she at did. one point. She did. <laughs> I fully Macaulay Culkin'd. Uh, she now lives with uh, the pigeon lady. I had a big coat and a little hat, and I had a map, but it wasn't helping me. I ate pizza in a limo. Sounds great. I didn't do the last part. 
But so <laughs> Harry and Sally, they make out, they're in love, and then we cut to them as the final couple being interviewed. Yes. Which uh, is sweet, and they talk about their wedding, how they had a beautiful cake with sauce on the side. Sauce on the side, because she loves it on the side. Also, I want to say this. Uh, all of the things that she recommends about food are correct. Oh, yeah, totally. She's right. Yeah, that she is wants how, it the way she wants it. That's how you should eat pie. I forget what she says about it, though. It doesn't matter. Anyway. Uh, but that's, that's the movie. That's it. Yeah. Melanie, I have a question for you. What? <laughs> Would you date any of these assholes? Yeah, I'd date Billy Crystal. What? No one's surprised. No. Would you date any of those assholes? No. I think what would probably happen is I'd go on a date with Bruno Kirby. It would be something where it's like, you both like to write? And then we'd get on the date and it'd be like, oh boy, this didn't work out for me. <laughs> or him. Um, That's fair. Okay. Fuck, Mary kill. Yes. Billy Crystal. Oh boy. Bruno Kirby. Uh-huh. Old man selling Christmas trees. I don't remember the old man selling Christmas trees. Which is I, why I added him in, because I know this movie by heart. I don't remember him. Um, I'm going to... I'm going to I'm gonna marry the old man selling Christmas trees. Interesting just choice. Just because I love Christmas. What? <laughs> How could you? Did you know no, that I am... Not Chris, but I... Look... I come from a Catholic household. You're doing great, sweetie. Thank you. Um, so you would marry Christmas Tree Man? I'd probably marry Christmas Tree Man, and I'd have sex with Bruno Kirby, and then I would get rid... I don't want to kill Billy Crystal, but we would not make a good couple. Oh, see, I would marry Billy Crystal, I would have sex with Christmas Tree Man, and I would kill Bruno Kirby. I don't I don't agree with that. Well, that's okay. You're allowed to your wrong opinion. Who would you be if you were in this movie? Uh, if Harry and Sally had a baby, I think that would be me. I agree. Blonde and snarky. Yeah. <laughs> You know how you want to eat things, and you have a lot of opinions about stuff. I do. I have opinions about everything. You do, do. That's why we started a podcast. That's correct. <laughs> um, Who I'd would the, you be? I'd, I'd probably be the man on the airplane. <laughs> that lets them switch seats? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. Did you guys want to sit next to each other? And I get up. Um, do we, like... I guess we believe that they'd live in those apartments. Hers is more modest. Hers makes more sense. Yeah, I just, for his me, I just can't huge. place where they live. And yeah. if I could place the neighborhood, it would make more sense to yeah. me. I, uh, God. It's, oh, okay. Big, big one. Yeah. Is this movie romantic? Absolutely. Yeah. Is this movie sexy? I don't think so. They make, they, people make out a lot, but it's not... This isn't a movie where you watch it and you're like, oh, boy. Yeah, you don't want to, you don't feel the need to make out with someone after watching this. Yeah, you don't go scrolling through Instagram like, I wonder how they're doing. <laughs> you don't look up videos of Henry Cavill putting together his gaming system. <laughs> that is. <laughs> I have another question for you. Oh, okay. What is your favorite outfit in this film? Oh, God, so many. Well, okay, I would wear. Any dress she wears on New Year's, because I love an 80s look. Yeah. I love, at one yep. point she wears a beret, and I was like, yes, please. Oh, yeah. She and also wore a wide-brimmed hat, which very, was a great look. Oh, fun. Um, I will say Bruno Kirby has an outfit, like his casual party outfit, is one that I would just wear in my day-to-day Oh, you life. would absolutely wear it. It's black jeans <laughs> and a light purple patterned collared shirt. Yes. That's very much an alley outfit. Yeah. My <laughs> outfit of choice is anything that Harry wears. Jeans and a sweater, love. Suspenders and slacks, also love. God. No complaints. Mel- I will say, Melanie, when he uh, showed up wearing suspenders, 
the noise that Melanie made. I beg your pardon? Well, it wasn't so much a noise. We just went, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds right. And it, that's very sweet. I love it. You're my friend. You're my friend. Oh, my God. Gross. <laughs> Can women be friends? Can women be friends? Yeah. <laughs> can but, men and women be friends? Yeah, absolutely they can. Yeah. The thesis of this movie is flawed. Yes. But would we recommend this movie? 100%. Great. <laughs> would you? Yeah. Okay, great. Well, I mean, that's when Harry met Sally. It's, it's a really nice, feel-good, fun movie. I highly recommend it. Allie, you recommend it. Yeah. It's, it's, if you want to get started with a rom-com, watch When Harry Met Sally. Definitely. If you love the 80s Ooh. and snark, uh-huh. this is the movie for you. If you like movies where there is friendship, watch it. Yes. Uh, if you like movies where it's, it's New York, baby. Watch it. Because <laughs> it is. It is New York. Baby. And that's our podcast. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to Mel and Allie, us, the dynamic duo. Yeah, the dynamic duo. You had me at hell no. And if you want more of us, you can follow us on social media. Our Twitter and Instagram handles are at hellnocast, and our email is hellnocast at gmail.com. So if you want to. Be our friend. Shoot us an email. Definitely. We respond. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You Had Me at Hell No was recorded in Scoundrel and Scamp Theater in Tucson, Arizona. And Allie and I just want to thank the theater for allowing us to record there. Special thanks are also in order to Tiffer Hill, our engineer, for putting up with all of our shenanigans and making us sound fabulous. As well as Bella Vanek and Lucille Petty for our theme song. Thank you, Bella and Lucille. Yeah.